Basketball Podcast. The Madness is here, and we had one of the biggest upsets in recent history. The I would say any history. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing like bigger than this is UMBC Virginia. I mean, sure, there's Mm -hmm. other two fifteen upsets, but I mean, it it is Kentucky. So I mean that that's that kind of goes into it, but. Yeah, the Peacocks of St. Peter's, they pull off the upset. Yeah, I mean, that was incredible. I didn't see this coming for a number of reasons. One, because Kentucky is really good. I mean, that is a good Kentucky team. Oscar Shibway might be national player of the year. Then you look at the players at random. Ty Ty Washington, he's a lottery pick. Kellen Grady, that's an experienced almost 2,000-point scorer, I believe, in college. Uh, John Calipari is their head coach playing a team – that wasn't the favorite to win their conference tournament. That was Iona. And then St. Peter's was hot at the right time down the stretch of the year. They go through the MAC tournament. They win the MAC tournament. They go and beat Kentucky in the first round. And the thing that gets me about this is they are not a good offensive team at all. They they were one of the worst offensive teams in the MAC this year. But they got hot at the right time, and they ran a lot of good offense in that game. Their offense has gotten a little better throughout the year, but they had 1.13 points per possession. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the kind of interesting thing is like, so they score 85 in this game, obviously. And going back, I, I'm i even looking at their past results. It, the last time they scored 85 or more, uh, they scored 87 against Nyack College. That's it. That's the only time they've scored 85 or more. And granted, the game did go to overtime, but it was an impressive output by the Peacocks. And look, Daryl Banks certainly stepped up. He's not a player you like. I mean, even you look at that UMBC Virginia upset, you're like, all right, there's Jarius Lyles, there's KJ Mora. You got to stop those two players. You didn't necessarily on the scouting report say, oh, we got to key in on Daryl Banks. He can go for 30 and win the game. But out he goes for 27. Banks Banks can light it up from outside, but they definitely don't have that. Like they just have so their offense yeah. is just so bad this year. Yeah. Like Doug Edder, who was kind of like a good mm-hmm. six man off the bench. I mean, he pops off for 20. He has the big basket to essentially kind of send it into overtime. And even like Casey Nadefu, who, you know, was kind mm-hmm. of their big center. He gets in foul trouble early in the game and they're still able to kind of manage uh, going to halftime tied at that point it was like you know their best their best defender is not playing many minutes in this game and they're still tied at halftime we might have something here and certainly we did definitely and the defo like this is a guy that entered the transfer portal last year had some high major interest if uh, my memory serves me correctly but ended up going back to st peter's and he's been very good. He's not a great offensive player, but he, he's 6'7", but plays a lot bigger. He blocks a lot of shots. He's one of the best shot blockers in the country. He's been a very important player for the St. Peter's team, and Shaheen Holloway deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to do because this is uh, not a premier program in the MAC or a premier program in college basketball, and he just brought St. Peter's to beating Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. I don't think anybody yeah. thought those words were going to happen or we're going to be said ever. Yeah. I mean, you just look at like all the, you know, kind of the, just go on Twitter and you can find like the comparisons of the budgets, the arena size, the, 
Like Kentucky spends like 20 times as much money on basketball. Like St. Peter's third assistant coach doesn't even get paid. The only reason he's on the staff is because he has a military pension. So, I mean, there's just like such a difference in budget between these two programs. And for St. Peter's on this night to kind of put all that aside and just say, you know, we're going to go out there. We're going to, you know, play 40 minutes or 45 minutes of great basketball. And we're going to, uh, compete with these guys one it, it's kind of what makes March great that you get you know whether even Kentucky St. Peter's to play on the same court is great to begin with but then you get you know for this upset to happen is just like completely fantastic and I mean look I mean the for Kentucky this is this is going to be spun a lot of different ways I'm not going to say fire John Calipari but and this definitely worst loss in his worst loss in his career by far. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that could have went to the national title game if things broke right, and I think most people had them in the final four, and for good reason because this team was really good all year, but they just slipped up at the end there. They end up losing their last two games of the year. They the thing about it is they shot the ball pretty well this year. They had good point guard play for the most part, and they had a potential national player of the year. They just didn't have a good game in this one. But when you look at it next year, uh, I mean, we're going to get into more March Madness for this year, of course. But just kind of looking at the outlook for next year, maybe Sheboy's back. uh, Severe Wheeler's probably back. Keon Brooks is probably back. Damian Collins, I would assume, is back. Uh, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, those guys are back. And then you have uh, Shaden Sharp. We'll see if he ends up entering the NBA draft or if he ends up playing at Kentucky. And don't forget about C.J. Frederick. That's that's a knockdown shooter from Iowa that got hurt and redshirted this entire year. So that, that's a player to watch out for for Kentucky next year. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're Kentucky. They're always going to be good except for, like, the years they're not. But, I mean, for Kentucky, this is, like, a real – like, this is going to be a tough loss. And I think – for Kentucky, if they were able to, let's say, you know, because Washington's probably gone, uh, Gray is gone. Like, if Kentucky's able to say, you know what, we're we're going to take this loss and kind of use it as like a UMBC Virginia type loss and use it to motivate you next year. I mean, there's a there's certainly the potential for this Kentucky team. You know, as is with all the talent they have coming in, the talent they're probably going to end up returning. They could potentially win a national championship, but uh, we'll kind of wait and see on next year. But yeah, I mean, this is a very tough loss for Kentucky. And look, uh, you know, there's no sugarcoating it. It's probably the most embarrassing loss in program history. But I mean, there is hope for the future. And uh, John Calipari, I mean, he's still one of the premier coaches, maybe he's not, you know, top five coach or like you, you look at Jay Wright is better, you know, something like that, but like, he's still a very good coach and Kentucky will be right back here next year, either one or two seed. Without a doubt, but let's get into a team that might not be in the position they were this year, next year. And that that's Iowa. They dropped one to Richmond. I had Iowa in the final four. That looks very dumb now. I I should not have done that. That was a bad idea. Uh, you bet against your own spiders. Iowa, 
yeah, it, it was tough. But Richmond, I mean, they're an experienced group. Jacob Gilliard had a great game. And Iowa couldn't hit a shot. Keegan Murray had an okay but not great game. Jordan Bohannon didn't play well. But when you go six for 29 in your Iowa, you're probably not going to win that basketball game. And there's no way to look at this Iowa season. Obviously, the preseason expectations weren't high. But after winning the Big Ten tournament, there's no way to call this year anything other than a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one pushback I would say is, like, you still win the Big Ten championship. You still finish way higher than expected so I mean there's still positive takeaways but again it's like once you get into the NCAA tournament no matter like what players you have and certainly preseason we didn't expect Keegan Murray to be you know potential national player of the year candidate but you know when you have a potential national player of the year candidate and you're you know in you're the five seed and you're fresh off a big 10 title I mean it, it it's a major disappointment for Iowa to lose here uh Certainly. And look, Murray, I think could have played a little bit better. He didn't, you know, I'd, I blame this kind of more on Iowa's guards for not getting him the ball. Like Patrick McCaffrey shot 17 times and Keegan Murray shot 15 times. I mean, what are we doing here and there? Like McCaffrey's that bad, but I mean, Keegan Murray is first team All-American for a reason. He needs to get more touches and look, same. Mm-hmm. Richmond did a really good job defending Keegan Murray, but he's still like had you know the potential to get the ball inside uh, especially kind of late in the game and they just didn't kind of look for him and uh in the end I mean there was a controversial no call and a foul he did touch him like it was that, that was a foul for sure yeah but I mean it at the end of the day like if you're relying on you know a foul call from a ref on a you know three that was a foul call but it it was not like running him over type of foul call, but uh, yeah, I mean, they put themselves in a position to lose in that situation. Uh, game didn't go their way. And ultimately Richmond walks away with a big win here. And Richmond did not shoot the basketball well in this one, only five for 17. It's kind of been the theme of their season. They are not a good three point shooting team. But they made big plays when it mattered, and that was big in this one. That was big for them in the A-10 tournament. And now they will face Providence, who defeated South Dakota State in the round of 64. That was a game Providence led pretty much the entire game. It got close a few times. Down the stretch, it was definitely close. Zeke Mayo could have tied it on a three, but Providence comes out with a victory. I think for Providence, this is a win that should give them the respect that they've earned this year. What's your takeaway on the Friars there? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like such a typical Providence win because they just kind of like, even against the, like one of the lead offenses in the sport, they just mucked it out. They made it a grinded out uh, type of game and they found a way to win in the clutch, which they've been doing all season long. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of what makes this Providence team kind of fun to watch because it, it's they're not like overly – you, know, you don't watch them and you're like, oh, this team's so entertaining to watch, but they just get the job done. And uh, especially in crunch time, uh, they're able to step up. Like the Jared Bynum one, I also think that was a foul. Like I get he kicks his legs out a little bit. I It's like the South Dakota State person or player still hits him. So, I mean, that was kind of a controversial foul. I think Murray's is... More of a foul. More initiated by Bynum, though. That's why I don't think it's a foul. 
Yeah. Like he kicks his legs out a little bit, but I mean, he still didn't quite get the room to land. So, and the ref called it a foul. So, I mean, it was close enough that I don't think it was an obvious miscall either. I think that's fair. And like South Dakota State, they're a very good team. They were very like short underdogs in this one. Providence only closed as a two point favorite. So when you look at it, this is a big win for Providence because they get the win in a game where a lot of people had them losing to South Dakota State. And nobody would have been surprised if it was an upset victory for the Jackrabbits. So for Ed Cooley, what he's been able to accomplish this year, I think is one of the best coaching jobs in college basketball. But the most underrated coach in college basketball resides in Moraga, California, and that's Randy Bennett. He is the most underrated college basketball coach in my mind because this guy's a winner. They hammered Indiana. That game was never close. And I get the they had a travel from Dayton thing. I, I don't care where they're traveling from. They were losing that game regardless. St. Mary's just destroyed the Indiana Hoosiers on national television. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so bad. I mean, fortunately, we had other games to tune into because Kentucky, St. Peter's, and New Mexico State, uh, UConn. But I may imagine if this was supposed to be the close game and uh, those games were blowouts, but I mean – yeah, I mean, St. Mary's just dominated this game from the jump and really impressive showing. Logan Johns had a good game. Tommy Cousy had a good game. They combined for almost as many points as Indiana had for the game. And yeah, St. Mary's just, you know, and it's such a tough team to kind of compare or prepare for, like when you're just coming off the Dayton trip. Like if that has to be like the worst team to prepare for because they're just going like, you have to study this team. They're going to like back cut you to death. They're going to run 27 seconds off the shot clock and you're going to have to defend for 30 seconds. And like, it's such a tough matchup to begin with. And then, you know, obviously St. Mary's just, you know, Indiana, you have the flight issues, all that going around. And it was just never, you know, Indiana, I think has more athleticism and, you know, on paper, you look at it, you're like, all right, well, Indiana has, you know, athleticism advantage at the point, the two, the three, the four, the five. They're the more but, talented team. Yeah, but St. Mary's is just, they're very good. So, I mean, that there's that, and uh, the Gales walk away with a huge victory. I, I just, I continue to be impressed by what Randy Bennett does from year to year. He's won several tournament games throughout his years at St. Mary's, but He's been a one sweet 16. I I think they could go that far, if not farther this year, because we'll get into our picks for the round of 32 here in a bit. But this St. Mary's team is good, and they are second weekend plus good. Like, they can win uh, games, not just one, not just two, maybe three, maybe more. This is a legitimately good St. Mary's team. They have a great guard duo, Logan Johnson and Tommy Kuzu combined for 39 in this one. You got the three-point shooting from Alex Duke as he hit three of them. They won 10 for tw- – if St. Mary's goes 10 for 21 from three, you're not beating them. If they're shooting almost 50% from outside, good luck because that game is not going to end in your favor with how good they are defensively. So it, it, that was a big one for St. Mary's. They will play UCLA in the next round, and UCLA almost lost in the first round to Akron. Akron gave them a very good fight. Akron led by seven late in the second half, but Tiger Campbell – 
was able to step up late like all great point guards do and lead the Bruins to a victory. He had 16. Johnny Juzang did not play well. He only had nine points, which is crazy considering how good he was in March last year. He had Jaime Hakez. He had 15. It was not a very good game for the Bruins at all, but they were able to get past in in March. As long as you can get to the win, I think that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, certainly pure survival in advance. And look, I'm a little concerned for UCLA, especially you have to play St. Mary's uh, because like you mentioned, like Johnny Juzang has not been himself even as of late. Like Hawkins has certainly been good and we just saw what Tiger Campbell did in the clutch. But I mean, what made this team so good is you had Tiger Campbell who can kind of be the you know, point guard and not have to be relied upon as much scoring wise. You have Hawkes, who's like a perfect two or number two score, but Juzang, I think for UCLA to beat St. Mary's, they really need to step up for that to happen. And uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he certainly stepped up in the clutch last NCAA tournament and nearly get them to a national championship game. So, I mean, he's certainly capable of it, uh, but I mean, he's going to need to certainly step up if they're going to end up being St. Mary's. But, yeah, I mean, good win for UCLA. And, look, sometimes, like, you get in these kind of dogfight type of games where it, you could easily lose. And then, like, I kind of think back to 2019 Auburn. Like, New Mexico State probably should have beat Auburn, but mm-hmm. Auburn wins that game, gets a second chance, and then they boat race uh, Kansas – North Carolina, and then beat Kentucky and then are playing in the final four. So, I mean, maybe this is the game where, all right, we should have lost to Akron. We didn't lose to Akron. Now we're all of a sudden here uh, in the final four. Like it could very well be that type of situation for UCLA. Very much so. I mean, when you have this kind of veteran experience, when you have an elite point guard like Tiger Campbell, I think Tiger Campbell is one of the best point guards in the country. And he made that three-pointer from the parking lot. I didn't know Tiger Campbell had that shot in his arsenal, but he pulled up from like 26 feet and just drilled that thing. So that was a very impressive shot by Campbell. Uh, but let's stay, let's stay on the West Coast here a little bit. And Petty talk about buckets. That's not the West Coast game I was going to go to. We can get to that uh, one after this one. This was the game of the night. Murray State oh, beat Murray San State. Francisco. In Todd Golden's last game. Yeah. What a Todd game. Todd Golden off to Florida. Off to Florida. So he's no longer the head coach of San Francisco. It took a whole, I don't know what, 12 hours after the game was over for Todd Golden to be announced as the next Florida head coach. That's a that's a good hire for the Gators. Uh, but, man, this, this was an, uh, an electric game. What were your takeaways here? Yeah, I mean, terrific basketball game. You just had so much tough shot banking. And, look, Murray State choked this game away at the end of regulation. They very easily, especially as Jamari Bouye is just making every tough shot, could have folded in overtime, but they did not. So I, I give Murray State a lot of credit for their resiliency there uh, to just kind of, you know, stay afloat when, you know, start of overtime, Jamari Bouye makes jumper. Jamari Bouye drives a lane for layup. Jamari Bouye scores again, like, Jamari Bouye was just doing everything for uh, this uh, San Francisco Don's team. They had the, you know, and Murray State was just kind of responding. And 
for team to kind of give up an eight-point lead with two minutes to go, a game they really should have won in regulation, and to come back in overtime and say, you know what, we should have won this game in regulation. We're the better team, and we're going to go out and win this game. And that was certainly super impressive for uh, this Murray State team. Uh, you know, K.J. Williams made a tough basket. Jordan Skipper-Brown uh, made some clutch free Eight throws. for 12 so- from the foul line. Yeah, it was below fifty percent on the season from the foul line. It, but you you gotta make the you know free throws in the clutch. So yeah, I mean for Murray State, I was just impressed with them. Obviously, San Francisco, Jamari Bouye is a superstar. Uh, this you know even with Todd Golden leaving, this program's in a better spot than it was even before he you know arrived here. So. I certainly think San Francisco is going to continue to potentially contend for NCAA tournament bids, but uh, yeah, I mean, impressive win for Murray state. And for those listening, in case you haven't seen it, uh, Chris Gerlofsen, who was uh, the associate head coach for San Francisco got promoted to the head coach. So that's, they're keeping it in house again. That's what they did when Kyle Smith left. I think that's a good decision. Uh, it's it, when you're a mid-major program and you have a good thing going with the culture. We've seen how that worked. At we'll get into Loyola Chicago later. But we saw how that's worked with uh, Drew Valentine. So when you're at a mid-major program, I think hiring from within is usually a pretty solid choice. But man, Murray State, this is such a good team, and now they have a very smooth path to get to the Sweet 16. Obviously, St. Peter's beat Kentucky, so anything is possible. But the Racers are pretty heavy favorites. But the difference here is San Francisco needed Jamari Bouye to do everything. Murray State didn't need one guy to do everything. K.J. Williams was conference player of the year, scored 18. That's pretty good. Juice Hill, 15 points, 9 assists. And he was cramping, like, every single TV timeout in the last five minutes of the uh, of OT and the final few minutes of the second half. So he really gutted it out there. Like, he, he came out a few times because of cramps but was able to keep coming back in the game and was able to finish it. But Trey Hannibal, he fouled out late, but he was so key in this one, 18 points, six for 12 from the field, six for seven from the line. He's such a terrific athlete, great driver to the basket, elite defender. And when Carter Collins went down with an ankle injury, Trey Hannibal really answered the call and played a big role. But there's just so many options on this Murray State team. That's part of what makes them so good. This is not a team I'd want to face down the stretch of the tournament here. Obviously, they get St. Peter's in the round of 32, then the winner of Purdue, Texas, if they're able to win that one. Murray State has a chance to go very far in this tournament because they have high major talent. They have high major size. They have pros on their team. They have a great coach in Matt McMahon. Yeah, and look, McMahon will probably end up getting a high major job. How cool – because K.J. Williams is a junior. Tevin Brown is a junior. He might go pro, Mm -hmm. but – well, uh, they're they're technically like it's COVID year. Uh, like they're seniors technically, but they're COVID year eligibility. Yeah, they're COVID year juniors. How cool would would it be to see this team run it back? Like they could go undefeated next year. That that would be that would be cool to see. I will yeah. I would say that. I mean, I don't think it will happen. Tevin, but yeah, like I think Tevin Brown will play in the NBA. I don't know if he'll get drafted. But I think his shooting plays at the next level. He's a good passer, but this team's 31 and two. Like, that's ridiculous. They have the best yeah. record in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're, they're an incredible basketball team. And uh, 
I mean, they still got to beat St. Peter's, but I mean, if you're telling me Murray State, all you got to do is beat St. Peter's and you're in the Sweet 16, I mean, sign me up for that. And look, once you're in the Sweet 16, I mean, Texas or Purdue, whether they play either one of those two teams, like I could see them winning your those games. So, I mean, I wouldn't completely rule out Murray State, you know, makes it to the Final Four here. So, I uh, certainly could be, you know, an incredible finish to the season for Murray State. And uh, even at 31 and 2 at this point in the season, I mean, what a fantastic season they've had thus far. And I uh, can't wait to kind of, well, see very shortly here they play St. Peter's can't wait to see that game yeah so. and let's get into some mid-majors here that couldn't quite get the job done before hey we wait came, wait uh, we gotta talk about techie teddy buckets I was I was gonna get into that after we talk about the ones I lost but I'll let you know no. we, we gotta start teddy buckets here which 37 points 13 of 13 from the free throw line talk about clutch playing he, th- this was this New Mexico State UConn game was just like a slugfest, and there was one player who slugged more than anyone. It was Tay Buckets. He was dancing on the crowd. He was doing everything. Just an incredible performance from you know truly a complete journeyman because he's been at West Virginia. He was uh, at Nebraska. Now he's at New Mexico State. Has had stints at JUCO. Wichita State's fifth school. Yeah. Has been literally everywhere. And for him to you know battle through all the adversity he's faced uh throughout his career, uh throughout his his life and get to this moment and perform on this stage, just shout out to him. Yeah, Teddy Allen's awesome. I mean, he's one of the more yeah. electrifying players in college basketball and this is what college basketball is about. Like the way he was celebrating late in that game was just so fun to see, just the excitement he had. And uh, he was, like you said, the dancing, everything. Like, I love that. Like, I know some people don't like the celebrating. That's fine. I think that, you know, that's kind of ridiculous, but I I think the celebrating is awesome. I love it. I I mean, he might've gotten teed up there, but uh, I think it got close, but I'm glad he didn't. But was officiating. Yeah, he had a good game. I mean, a great game. And the thing about it is he didn't start the game off well at all. He started like 0 for 6, did not look comfortable. But that's what happens when you have a scores mentality. doesn't matter if you're 0 for 6, 0 for 12. As long as you go and get buckets the rest of the game, that's all that matters. And there's a reason his nickname is Teddy Buckets, because he's going to shoot that basketball. doesn't matter what he's shooting on the game. He's going to go and try to get buckets at the end of the game. And that's what he does. And the weirdest thing that I just noticed, do you know how many free throws New Mexico State attempted in this game? 13. It's all 13. He he attempted all of their free throws. Nobody else got to the foul line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, like he had over half their points, so not that crazy. He was Although the only still... player to score in double figures. Yeah. Like what a game he had in like for New Mexico that, that's State. That's kind of concerning, though. Yeah, I mean, they play Arkansas. Like, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think they're going to beat Arkansas, but, like, hey, t- for if them Teddy to – Teddy Bucket drops 40. Yeah. I mean, if he drops 40, they, they probably win that game. But, 
it'll be hard to see him dropping 37 and then 40, but I just an incredible performance from him. Very so. much so. He was a whack player of the year for a reason. They they need more from Jabari Rice. They need more from Johnny McCants. They need more from Clayton Henry. But when you look at it, nobody else on the team attempted more than eight shots besides Teddy Buckets, who attempted 24 shots. So if Teddy Buckets just drops 37 against Arkansas, maybe they win again. But they do have a lot of size. They have a lot of defense. They can match up with Arkansas pretty well. I mean, they they aren't going to be a team that's overwhelmed by size. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of mid-majors that have been successful so far in this NCAA tournament. They aren't overwhelmed by these teams' size. You look at Murray State. You look at Chattanooga. We'll get, in, get into in a minute who definitely should have beat Illinois today. That Didn't love that. But – a lot of these teams have utilized a transfer portal. They've made their team significantly better with high major transfers who didn't have a ton of opportunity at the higher level. Teddy Allen was very solid at Nebraska, but goes down to New Mexico state. But you look at guys on this team, like you have a lot of transfers like Mike peak and you are a lock. They didn't play a ton of minutes, but they come in and play decent minutes. They're both uh, a lock is six eleven, peak is six, seven and can shoot the basketball. There's a lot of guys with size that I've noticed that go down to the mid-major level, play pivotal roles. So uh, the transfer portal has been big for these mid-major teams this year and in the future. But Chattanooga, I mentioned it. This was a painful loss for the Mocs. They lose by one in a game where they should have won. They dominated this game. They made Kofi Coburn's life tough. It wasn't easy. They uh, Illinois fans were calling for fouls the entire game. I don't think most of these were fouls. I just think it was tough defense. They were throwing bodies at Kofi Coburn. That's what I said they had to do. They had to put bodies on him. They had to send him to the foul line. Went five for 10 from the foul line. He had 17 points, but he turned it over four times. He had four fouls. It was not a great game from Kofi Coburn, but Illinois ends up winning. Illinois went three for 17 from outside. But the big difference here, Malachi Smith went four for 20. Yeah. He's the best player one of the best players in mid-major basketball. And it really, really is unfortunate that on this stage, that's, that's the, that's how he played and it was his worst game of the year, but that's not indicative of how good he is. He is a really good player. And and I just, if that's the first time you watch him play, hopefully you check him out again in the future next year, because he is so much better. He's so much better than what he showed. He just didn't have a great game. Illinois did a really good job defending him. Malachi Smith is still a great player. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly very good, but I mean, yeah, it kind of felt like Chattanooga like let one get away here. I mean, kind of the thing is like they didn't have it felt like they didn't have like a ton of reliable scoring down the stretch here. Like part of that, of course, is like Malachi Smith was, you know, having one of his worst games of his career. But uh, down the stretch, I mean, it's not like Illinois went out and won this game it kind of just felt like one of these games where neither team was making shots and it just came down to uh, which team had the ball last. I guess Chattanooga had the ball last, but they missed the last shot. So, I mean, Illinois ends up winning here. But, yeah, for Illinois, they get this win, not playing very well. Kofi Coburn had a pretty poor night overall. Trent Frazier was maybe had one of his worst performances of, of his career Corbella was kind of out of whack and for six Illinois turnovers yeah. six and they still won. Yeah. I mean, you tell me Trent Frazier it's has a miracle two, that they won two points. Kofi Coburn. I mean, he had 17. He 
He also went five of 10 from the line and six of 12 from the floor. So that's not great. Didn't feel like he had 17 points. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, Andre Curbelo has six turnovers. You said Trent Frazier has four assists. Yeah. Trent Frazier has two, like, this is not equal in Illinois victory and for them to end up getting this win. I mean, that's, that's certainly huge for them. And I mean, they're going to end up playing uh, Houston. You, you, if you've listened to this podcast, you already know where I'm going with that pick, but we'll, we'll oh, come on. Yeah. You later. need to start respecting Kelvin Sampson. Come on. I, I will respect him when he actually beats a top five seed. You're disrespecting Kelvin Sampson on this podcast right now. Yes. Terrible take. Terrible take. He beat another American team here. Yeah. Well, they're not in the American yet. Yeah. But a lot, like, not only did they win, they covered the spread, and that was a trendy upset pick. Like, there was people who thought UAB was going to beat Houston. Houston scored 82 points. Hey, but when they go against the Illini, they're not going to score 82 points. I have a lot of thoughts on that game, so we can get to our predictions in a minute here. But rounding out the rest of the talk about games that already happened, Vermont, they drop one to Arkansas. That game was pretty close. Arkansas ends up winning. They had, the, I think, the athleticism difference and the – uh, good, how good they are in defense played a big role in that one. Stanley Umude had a great game. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, Stanley Umude really stepped up. Like, J.D. Note didn't have his strongest performance, but uh, for Vermont to end up winning there, that's certainly a big win for uh, the Catamounts. So, De- uh, definitely Devo so. Davis had Davidson. a big first half, too. Yeah. Hey, hey that's, that's impressive for Arkansas. Like, if you told me that J.D. Note played the way he did, I didn't think they are going to win. I thought they were too J.D. Note reliant, but this game showed that they aren't. But uh, Davidson, they dropped one here to Michigan State. That was something I wasn't expecting. I thought Davidson would have this one, but Joey Hauser really went off in this one. And Michigan State hasn't had a go-to guy all year. I don't know if that's Joey Hauser during the tournament, but if it is, that that's something that Michigan State has really been looking for. That was an impressive win, though, and we get Coach K against Tom Izzo one last time. Yeah. It, I mean, for the storylines, that's exactly what uh, CBS would have wanted. And, I mean, they put it as their primetime uh, slot on Sunday. So, I mean, CBS is happy. But, I mean, for Joey Hauser to step up in this type of uh, game, that's certainly big for him. Uh, then again, like, the way this Michigan State team – goes like Joey Hauser has 27 this night. He'll probably have two the next night. It'll be Malik Hall who steps up for 20. And if Michigan state's able to win, I just, I don't trust any of these players on Michigan state to like consistently put it together. Like we've seen Joey Hauser put together like a 27 point game. We've seen Malik Hall do it. We've seen Gabe Brown do it. Seen Max Christie do it. Like we've seen all these guys kind of have these breakout games but none of them have done it consistently. And that's still like my concern with Michigan state. Yeah. Michigan state didn't shoot the ball. Well, in this one, seven for 26, Max Christie didn't play well. Two points, one for six shooting Marcus Bingham 
He didn't play great. He also didn't play a ton. And Davidson had a pretty good offensive game, all things considered. 1.1 points per, per possession. 1.1 points per possession. I don't know. I felt like I said that weird the first time. But they went 10 for 25 from three. Pretty much lines up with their season averages, but they do end up losing. Uh, but they did go 7 for 12 from the foul line, which could have ended up being the difference here. Of all the rest of the games, Creighton and San Diego State is probably the other most notable. And I would say for this one, San Diego State and the Mountain West in general, the Yikes. Mountain West went over four. That's so, so disappointing for a conference that had a lot of expectations going into this tournament. Colorado State fell to Michigan. It's a game they should have won. Boise State falls to Memphis. I'm not surprised by that, even though it's an eight, nine game. Memphis is a better team. And then you have San Diego State, a game they should have won. San Diego State yeah, this, should have won this. This was game. the worst one because, like, no question. Colorado State, like, you're playing Michigan. I mean, Michigan got high they were in the underdogs. second half. Yeah, I mean, they were underdogs. Like, Michigan had been underachieved. Like, it was that 11-6 matchup that you kind of, like, you're not surprised goes the way of Michigan here. Like, that's not one. Like, uh, Boise State-Memphis, I mean, that's an 8-9 game up for grabs. But, I mean, certainly Memphis showed out in the first half and really kind of took control of that game. San Diego State, like, and especially I feel bad for Matt Bradley because, like, he has gets fouled one and one. You make your first free throw, you're going to the second round. And for him to miss that free throw and for San Diego State to go home, like, that's that's a really tough pill to swallow. Like, Creighton ends up uh, winning they, in the process in overtime just because of this. Ryan Kalkbrenner goes out. So that's going to be Terrible. tough. Yeah, that's awful. That's a tough recipe because then they got to play Kansas. Uh, I don't think that game will be all that close, but hey, we'll get into the pick section here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, tough loss there for uh, San Diego State. And yeah, I mean, Mountain West 0 for 4. Uh, I mean, the ACC, though, making up for it because uh, they go 4 for 1, 4 and 1 thus far. Now, Duke wins North Carolina dominates in their in route to their win I mean Virginia Tech lost but uh Notre Dame uh they pull off the upset I mean we kind of saw this coming with Alabama uh Andrew Von Quinterly got hurt early yeah. in the game yeah like when Quinterly got hurt is like all right Notre Dame's weighing this game right Cormac Ryan looked like Clay Thompson out there today though like he could yeah. not miss yeah like he had such a good game and twenty nine is it, is that what he had? Yeah, I think 29. so. It says he went seven for nine from three. I'm pretty sure that's a glitch. I think they mean nine for nine because I'm positive he didn't miss today. Like I guarantee you, he did not miss a shot. Oh, I, I'm. It says seven for nine here. I I thought for a second I saw seven for seven. He definitely didn't miss today. I guarantee you. Like, I don't know. I don't care what the numbers say. He didn't miss. Like it. He. It didn't matter where he was shooting it from. It didn't matter how many guys he had on him. He was making them. And Notre Dame. Like, I didn't think they should have been the tournament, and I still don't think they should have been. Looking at resumes, but they're a tough team. I mean, they could score the basketball. Then their experience. I still think Mike Bray is a good coach. He's always been a great offensive-minded coach, and they have the pieces to be able to maybe compete with Texas Tech, who just destroyed Montana State. But Notre Dame is obviously much better than Montana State. But I'm also convinced Texas Tech didn't miss a shot today. 
So I guess we'll see what that game looks like. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be like the first team because Rutgers didn't really guard them all that well, but like Texas tech, I think still tough defensively. So that's going to be certainly a fun game to watch. Uh, But yeah, I mean, good win there for Notre Dame. Uh, Iowa state who still, I'm not sure how they score the basketball all that well, but they found a way to score 57. Tyrese Hunter drilled like three contested 25 footers with the shot clock drill draining down. So, I mean, Iowa state ends up with a win there uh, and LSU officially is on the hunt for a new head coach. Yeah, they'll be definitely getting a new head coach like several other SEC teams. But Iowa State, like, obviously, this is another one you can look at preseason expectations. And this is one I'll I'll side with the preseason expectations a little bit. They were picked last in the preseason Big 12 poll. Nobody expected them to make the tournament. The fact that they won an NCAA tournament game in TJ Osselberger's first year shows a sign of positive things to come. I mean, Tyrese Hunter, I'm assuming, will be back next year. He's going to be one of the best point guards in America. He's just a consistent three-point shot like he showed today and an an improved uh, ability to not turn the ball over as much as trying to find better words for that, but just turning the ball over less and shooting the ball more consistently. And Tyrese Hunter can be an all American. He's, he's got that kind of talent. He is a freak athlete. He's a great defender. He just does a lot of things well. And I like his game quite a bit. Iowa state looking at them a bit next year, they could return a lot of pieces. Of, of course, a lot of it depends on COVID year stuff with them. Cal sure is a senior could return. Isaiah Brockington, same deal. But Tyrese Hunter is a freshman, so he's more than likely back, and he is going to be a pivotal piece for Iowa next season. Yeah, certainly going to be big for Iowa State. Uh, Let's see, moving on here. I mean, Miami, that was – I mean, that that was kind of like one that stirred up a lot of commotion on Twitter, like – that was a foul. Like that was 100% a foul. I don't even think it was close. Like, I don't know why that's, I, I had several people tweet at me and they're like, that's not a foul. I'm just like, but it is like, yeah. it, it, it is 100% a foul. Yeah. Like, I think I want to say like on the TV, it was mentioned like, Oh, you can't call that with like 30 seconds left. Well, do you call it the other 39, 50, in the game like do you call it then like if not then that's fine but like the last three seconds isn't any different from the previous 39 minutes yeah and like it's fair like drew peterson was probably fouled on his drive that tied the game but that also like charlie moore is definitely fouled on that play so at the same time it's just you know it not all refereeing's perfect, but I think that was a good call in that spot because Charlie Moore was fouled. And Isaiah Wong wasn't on the floor late in that game. He fouled out. So the fact that Miami was able to hold on, barely, they barely held on, but they held on, were able to beat USC is very impressive. They move on, they face Auburn. And then you, you look at some of the other games from the past couple of days. You have Memphis beating Boise State. Mentioned that one briefly earlier. Memphis will face Gonzaga. We'll get into that one in a minute. But Amani Bates came back. He made a three. He only played three minutes, but he made a three. And Memphis clearly just dominated that game from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, it was Boise State, like, tried to make a little bit of a run there. But it was just, like, not really 
uh, ever in doubt. Um, let's see. I mean, TCU ends up blowing out Seton Hall. The Big Twelve, not 12's even close. Six and zero. Kevin Willard is already. By the time this podcast you're listening to this, he might already have another job. Uh, he gave quite the interesting quote here. Uh, let me get it pulled back up here. Uh, While you do that, I do want to say this. Chris Beard is a winner. He wins college basketball games. I know Texas Tech fans don't like him, but he's been to five tournaments. He's won a tournament game all five of those years. He, he wins games. He is one of the best coaches in college basketball. Except in the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 tournament doesn't matter as much as the NCAA tournament. All right, here's the quote. When I get home tomorrow, I will discuss things with my agent. I'll be honest. If I'm not here next year, if Shaheem Holloway is here, that would be the happiest thing that has ever happened to me. Doesn't sound like he's going to be uh, coaching Seton Hall next year. So... We'll see what happens there, but in terms of what happened today, TCU destroyed Seton Hall. Yeah. Like, I mean, this game was never close. And the, the issue for Seton Hall was, for me, they were never going to be that good once Bryce Aiken got hurt because they just don't have guards that can score the basketball right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, for TCU, I mean – Mike Miles has certainly stepped up. He's been really good. Like Damian Baugh is better than expected. Like this TCU team's good. I think they're going, I don't think they're going to beat Arizona. Like I, I'm no, still picking no. Arizona to win, but that's not going to be an easy game. Like TCU is going to make a rock fight and like have that game within like, like 10 points. Like I, yeah, I don't know if the, the official spreads out. So, I mean, we'll get into some picks here, but yeah. I mean, Shall that's we just be... get into the picks now? Uh, let's see. I think we went through Loyola lost after. That game was boring. Loyola just couldn't make a shot. And, like, it's unfortunate for Luke, Lucas Williamson because he's a Loyola Chicago legend. Like, if he gets his jersey retired, that would be pretty fitting because he is a program legend, no question. Just sucks to see his career end this way because he had a really bad game. And the yeah. whole team did. It was just like shot making is contagious. That's what you always hear. It's almost like just missing shots like they did today was contagious. Like they were missing layups. They were missing free throws. Just seemed like everything that could have went wrong went wrong. Yeah. Uh, and it did. So, I mean, Loyola is out. I think that's everything. We had on the outline, I mean... No 16s beat any ones. No other 15s competed with any twos. Yeah. I mean, Georgia State was, like, within a few points there for a uh, second. Gonzaga and then, still covered the spread, though, didn't they? No, they, they played their walk-ons too early. They only won by 22 or something. Wasn't the spread 21 and a half? I think it was 23 and a half. Ooh. They won by 21. The spread was 22 and a half. Drew Timmy was unstoppable. And obviously part of that is L.A. also semi got hurt. And that was terrible to see. And the rest of their bigs, Jalen Thomas, Caleb Scott, who really hadn't played that much this year, but played a lot of minutes in this one. They were all in foul trouble. So they were playing small ball and they were playing guys who never play. So 
Georgia State was in a tough spot once Osemi got hurt, but props to them for staying in it because I didn't think this game would be competitive at any point, but Georgia State played tough. Also, not a 16 seed. We we both agree. No. Yeah, no question. Much better than a 16. Yeah, I mean, if you would put, I mean, you should put Cal State Fullerton. Like, for one, it makes more sense geographically to have Georgia State playing Duke and Cal State Fullerton playing Gonzaga. Like, I, I don't know why that's not the matchup here, but I mean, this was this is not an easy game. Like it, it was a one versus fourteen matchup instead of a one versus sixteen matchup. So, yeah, that yeah, not not a great not a great matchup there, but Gonzaga ends up pulling it out. Yeah. So, any any other game thoughts before we go into the picks? No, that that about sums it up for me. All right. Uh. All right, first game of the day, North Carolina against Baylor, uh, 12-10 Eastern time on CBS. Baylor, five-and-a-half-point favorites here. Are you rolling with North Carolina, who won by, uh, like, 30? 31, I think they beat Marquette by. Oh, 31. Yeah. Um, My thoughts here, I mean – RJ Davis has looked really good since he's been on the ball more. Like, I feel like he's like exclusively the point guard at this point when it was Caleb Love doing a lot of that early in the season. Caleb Love looks more comfortable not being a point guard. And I think that's a big thing here. And my question is, how does Armando Baycott get defended? Because, yeah, Flo Thamba, he's very good in his role, but he's no Jonathan Chama Chachua. And if Lothamba gets in foul trouble, you're going to have to go to the small ball. And I just don't think Jeremy Silhan will be able to defend a big guy like Armando Baycott. But you can stretch the floor, pull Baycott out to the perimeter. That will be in Baylor's favor. I think North Carolina wins and covers. All right. I'm going I'm going Baylor here. I just sit like one. I can't trust. Cover? Yeah. I'll, I mean, the line's only five and a half. So, I mean, I may as well just go Baylor here. That's probably a mistake, but. I trust one. I trust Scott Drew a little bit more. I mean, he's been in these type of games, and uh, I think Akinjo will have a good game. And I, I like the versatility. Like, I think a big thing too is Baylor defends super tough. So I'll rule with Baylor here. I don't think they get past the Sweet Sixteen, but I think they at least get to the Sweet Sixteen. So okay, yeah, I think that's fair. They have a much clearer path to the Final Four than they did two days ago, I feel like. Oh, yeah. That that East region is wide open now. It was still wide open, but, like, it's more wide open. So, could be fun. Uh, Midwest region, we've got uh, number one seed Kansas playing uh, number nine seed Creighton, 240 Eastern on CBS uh, the Jayhawks are 11 and a half point favorites. That's a big line, but I, don't know. I think I'm, I'm still taking Kansas. Minus the 11 and a half. As in my, I think the run here ends for Creighton and it's impressive what they've done. They won't have Ryan Emhart. They won't have Ryan Kalkbrenner in this one. So they're down two of their best players. You'll still have Ryan Hawkins. You'll still have Alex O'Connell. You'll still have Arthur Kaluma. So they're still players that are good. But at the end of the day, Kansas is the much better team. And here's what I'm looking at. Remy Martin 
had 15 points with four assists on six for eight shooting against Texas Southern. He looked very good, and he has his last couple of games. If Remy Martin continues to play the way he has, Kansas becomes maybe the best team in college basketball. I wouldn't go that far yet because I still think, obviously, Gonzaga is that. But Remy Martin was great, and Ochai did not play very well against Texas Southern, but they still blew them out. I think Kansas will be able to win this one pretty handily and cover the spread. Yeah, I mean, certainly Remy Martin starting to play like, I mean, the Big 12 player of the year that he was projected in the preseason. I mean, that that certainly helps out a long way. I mean, they they have like so much depth at scoring now, mm-hmm. like with Martin back. So, I mean, I think they'll win this game rather handily. And this Midwest region is wide open for them. So going to be interesting to see if they're able to convert. Uh, yeah, both going Kansas there. South region here, we've got uh, number three, Tennessee, against number 11, Michigan, uh, 515 yep. Eastern on CBS. I'll be honest here. I I picked Tennessee to the Final Four. They, oh, you're going to pick them to lose? They, they peaked early. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick Michigan to cover the spread and stick with okay. Tennessee to win the game. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what Friday Caleb Houston did against Colorado State? He made six threes. Or he made three threes. He didn't, definitely didn't do that. He made three. Three threes. He made three. I don't know, I don't know if he's made six, but I'm sure they're undefeated when he's done that. They, they're definitely undefeated when he's done that. Uh, yeah. I just don't know if they've won a game when he does that either. But they are, they are still undefeated when he makes at least three threes. So take, take that for what you will. But Hunter Dickinson played great against Colorado State. But Tennessee's won eight straight. I'm going the balls to cover. All right. And here's kind of the interesting thing, which maybe has me back enough since – let me get the exact stat up here. Since – uh, Thursday, uh, February 10th, they went win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Mm. So, I mean, Tennessee is probably going to win, but I, I still like Michigan to cover here. Yeah, six is a tough number, but it's all we don't know if Devontae Jones is going to play, but Frankie Collins did a great job, 14 points. We missed yeah. one shot. He looked really comfortable for a guy that's never played in that kind of spotlight before. I I'm I think Michigan's gonna be like we're low on them now, and they're probably not they gonna, were the number three team in the preseason for a reason. Yeah. Uh I think they're gonna be very good next year. Like if they're able if Dickinson's to back, I think so. Even if he's not, like you you get another year of Caleb Houston development potentially i don't think that's a lock either yeah musa diabate will be back so i mean if he's the five he's good five like i think michigan will be pretty good next year so uh but yeah i think it ends of course in this game here richmond against province province a two and a half point favorite here is a close game and you know who wins these close games, right? What'd you say? It's a close game here. You know who wins close games, right? It's the Providence right. Friars. That is Providence, but Richmond won a lot of close games of recent times, too. Yeah. The, 
if the line's ever within two and a half, or just go Providence. And yeah, I'm going Providence here. Providence deserves a little more respect, I feel like. Like, I get it, Richmond's played well recently, but Providence is really good. They're a four seed for a reason. They should be more than a two and a half point favorite, but the metrics don't like them. So that is why they're not bigger favorites. Give me Providence to win and cover. And they'll make the Sweet 16 at least, and maybe they can go further. I mean, Providence is a good team. They are very good. Yeah, so respect the Friars. They deserve respect, for sure. Like, you should respect Kelvin Sampson. We'll we'll get into that later. Uh, Respect Randy Bennett. Uh, Three-point underdogs here. What are we doing, Vegas? So – UCLA three-point yeah. favorites against St. Mary's. Uh, yeah, I'm rolling with St. Mary's. Like, I picked them prior to the NCAA tournament to go to my Elite Eight. I might at this That's point pick them call. to go to the Final Four. But, yeah, give me give me them especially taking or getting three points. Yeah, I'll take the three. I'll take them to win. I just think they're better in UCLA. On paper, are they more talented? No, but – Randy Bennett has a really good team. He has his two experienced guards with Johnson and Kuzi. You have a reliable big man with Matthias Toss. You have shooting. If they make 10 threes like they did against Indiana, I'll tell you right now, UCLA is not going to beat them. But you, St. Mary's will be able to slow down the pace. They'll be able to defend like they always do. See St. Mary's coming away with the win and going to the Sweet 16. All right. Uh, Murray State playing St. Peter's. They were eight and a half. As everyone expected. Yeah. I mean, I expected Murray State to be here. I thought they would be playing another team from the state of Kentucky, but alas, they are not. Yeah, I'm taking Murray State here. Yeah, I am too. I mean, nine's a a lot of points, but if you told me before the tournament, if you told me in like February that Murray State was playing St. Peter's and Murray State was giving nine, I would have taken Murray State in a heartbeat. I'm not going to let the game against Kentucky really change how I feel about that. I'm going to take Murray State to give the nine. I think they're just the better team. And the St. Peter story is awesome, but I don't think they're that 15 seed that can go to the Sweet 16 like Florida Gulf Coast or Oral Roberts. I do think Murray State is one of the best teams in the country, and they will be going to the Sweet 16. However, Tevin Brown, expect a big game from him. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, uh, like that Kentucky game almost seems like kind of a one-off, like, they get they the right players get hot at the right time, and Kentucky a little bit folded in that one. Like, one, I don't think Murray State's going to fold if this game gets tight. And two, like, they're going to have to fresh off the win of their lives 48 hours later, show back up and play another game of their life to just, you know, contend with Murray State. That's going to be a tough battle. So I'm, I'm liking Murray State here. Arkansas is playing New Mexico State. We mentioned it earlier. Does Tay Buckets go off again? And does New Mexico State win? This is tough because I feel like both of these teams, like you have no Tay with Arkansas, you have Teddy Buckets with New Mexico State. Both those guys can go off for 30-plus any game. We already saw Teddy Buckets do it. Can J.D. Note do it? I'm going to say New Mexico State covers a six-and-a-half, but Arkansas wins. I don't think J.D. Note has 37 points. I don't think Teddy Buckets is 37 again. But I think New Mexico State's good enough defensively. I question Arkansas's offense. I think it'll be a close down to the final two possessions kind of game. 
Yeah. I like that. I like them getting six and a half. Like I, I think Arkansas wins this game, but it's going to be like a street fight. It's going to be like winner scores, you know, 70 points at most. So like, I don't think Arkansas goes out and runs away with this one. So yeah, give me New Mexico state uh, getting, yeah, six and a half. And who knows, maybe they win. Uh, Memphis playing Gonzaga, uh, the nightcap, 9-4 Eastern on TBS. Gonzaga, 10-point favorites here. I really like the the Bulldogs here. Like They got a little bit of a scare wake-up call against Georgia State. Now they're playing a Memphis team who, look, I trust Andrew Nimhard a lot more than I trust uh, Alex Lomax. That's a big part of it. Like Memphis can match the size athleticism, but at the end of the day, I just think Gonzaga kind of runs away with this one. I agree with you. Like Memphis obviously has the size and physicality, but at the end of the day, Gonzaga's Gonzaga. They're going to shoot the ball better than they did against Georgia State. And even though Jalen Duran is very quick and very athletic, I don't think he'll be able to defend Drew Timmy all that well because he gets in foul trouble occasionally. And I think Timmy is the kind of guy that can bait anybody in the country into fouls. I think we'll see that in this one thing. And Zach comes away with the convincing victory over Memphis. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. Like if, if Duran and Deandre Williams play Chet and Timmy to a tie, Gonzaga still wins. Cause mm-hmm. you have Andrew Nemhard, you have Razier Bolton, you have Strother, you have, like Memphis needs shooting from Quinones and and uh, Landers Nolly. Yeah, like I just trust the Gonzaga pieces more. So, uh, but should be a good game, good nightcap. First game of the day, and here we go. It's Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars against Illinois. And he- here's I'm taking Illinois. They're four and a half point mm. underdogs to start. What? More Kelvin Sampson disrespect. No, Illinois is the four and a half point underdogs here. You're no, I'm saying you're disrespecting Kelvin Sampson again. All right, he, here's why I disrespect him. They have not beaten a top five seed since 2018. They didn't beat one in Still a take. My my mind they hasn't changed. One in 2020. They didn't beat one en route to their final four where again they they played one top five seed all season long. It was Baylor in the final four. You can only you got can only demolished. Play who you get matched up against though. Yeah, uh, that's fair. But I mean now they're playing a top five seed. They've proven an inability to win against these top five seeds in the past. I mean, two weeks ago we're talking about we don't think this team will make out of their first round because they just got ran out of the gym against Memphis. I am fading Houston, especially against a good team that is Illinois. Give me Illinois money line. If Illinois was favored by four and a half, I would take it. They're four and a half point underdogs. Oh, wow. Give me all of Illinois. The last four games Houston's played, they've won all of them by 13 or more points. I think they win by eight or nine in this one. I think they cover the spread. They They do post doubles on just about every catch that the big men get. So Kofi Coper, and if you think he struggled against Chattanooga, 
he'll struggle against Houston. I'll tell you that. He's not going to have a good day in this one. He'll have to pass out to shooters, but I think he's going to have trouble turnovers in this one. And with the defensive pressure Houston puts on you, Andre Curbelo could be in trouble with the amount of turnovers he has. They need shooting from Plummer. They need shooting from Frazier if they're going to win this one. I don't think they do. I think Houston's defense leads them to a win. I think they cover. Yeah, give me the lefty snipers. Trent Frazier goes off. Alfonso Plummer's going to uh, pl- plunge Houston out of this NCAA tournament. Not happening, but we'll see. We can right. revisit this, and then you can talk about how uh, Kelvin Sampson is one of the best coaches in America next podcast. Either that or I will be right. So we'll see. Uh, Ohio State playing Villanova. This is an upset I'm ready to pick here. I'm taking hmm, Ohio State really? to win the game outright. I know they played like crap against Loyal Chicago, but I think they wake up here in this game have an impressive showing and here's why I just I'm not overwhelmed by this Villanova talent I think Branham and EJ Liddell can have a good game and I'm going to take Ohio State you know we always talk about I mean there's always a couple two seeds or one seeds that end up losing early Kentucky lost early so they're out of the way I'm taking Ohio State to uh, pull off the second one or two seed to lose early Give me Ohio State here. I'm going to Villanova to win and cover. They made 13 of 28 threes against Delaware. Villanova's really good, and I think they can win a national title. I think they go and beat Ohio State, and the main reason is Ohio State doesn't have very good guard play. Malachi Branham's good, but he's been up and down. He's been up more so recently, but he's still a freshman. And Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore are the best two guards on the floor. Give me, give me Villanova to win and cover. All right. Uh, next game, we've got Michigan State, the seven seed playing Duke. It is Izzo. It is Coach K. The last time they will match up against each other could be the last game for Coach K. Who knows? But uh, anyway, Duke six and a half point favorites here. I'm rolling with Duke here. Yeah, as am I. Uh, I, I just think Duke's better. They, they have more of an identity in what they're going to do. They want to get the ball to Bancaro. Mark Williams is a good defender, not a great perimeter defender if you drag him out there, but I don't think Michigan State has the options to really do that. But Michigan State still doesn't know their go-to option is. Duke does. They know who they have to get the ball to as Paulo Bancaro. I think Duke comes away with the victory and they cover. Yeah, so both on Duke there. Uh, I would say against Wisconsin – the line is only three in Wisconsin's favor and should note this, these lines literally are just coming out as we're going, but only a three point favorite here. I, I like Wisconsin here. Like give me, give me the team with the reliable scoring. Like it, it won't be a blowout by any means. Iowa state's going to stay in, but yeah, three is just too small of a line. Yeah, uh, that that's a weird number for me. Johnny Davis is the best player on the floor, and I still think Iowa State needs Isaiah Brockington to hit a bunch of mid-range jumpers if they're going to win. So I'll take Wisconsin giving the points. Or just have like Tyrese Hunter go 7-11 from three again. If that happens, he'll probably win, but I don't think it will. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, very hot, playing against Texas Tech. 
the Red Raiders are seven and a half point favorites here. I like Notre Dame to cover the spread. I'm still taking Texas Tech to win, though. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because I had Texas Tech losing to Alabama here. I had them losing to Rutgers originally, but obviously Rutgers lost to Notre Dame. I'll take Notre Dame to cover. I don't think they beat Texas Tech here. Texas Tech was very impressive offensively against Montana State. Obviously, Notre Dame prides themselves on the offensive end of the floor. I don't think Cormac Ryan drops 29 in this one. But I think that Notre Dame will be able to keep it close enough and do a final possession, maybe a backdoor cover situation. I'll take Notre Dame plus seven and a half. All right. Uh, number 10 seed, uh, Miami is going against Auburn. Seven and a half point favorites for the Auburn Tigers. I, I like Miami to cover. Like, I don't know if they're going to pull off the upset. I certainly think it's like a realistic possibility. So yeah, give me Miami plus the seven and a half here. I'm taking Miami to win and cover. I, I think they're not, obviously Auburn's better on paper and they probably are better in general, but here's the thing. Uh, USC has a much better front court than Miami did, but I don't think that decided the outcome of today's game. Drew Peterson is a reason why USC was so close today. It wasn't Isaiah Mobley, wasn't Chavez Goodwin, it wasn't Max Agbon Polo, it wasn't Joshua Morgan, it was Drew Peterson. So is Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler going to be able to completely dominate Miami's front court? It, it's certainly possible with how weak Miami is in the front court, but I like Charlie Moore. I like Cam McGusty. I like Isaiah Wong to have big games against the questionable Auburn guards. And I think that's what's going to lead them to a victory over two-seeded Auburn. All right. Uh, so we both thought on Miami plus the seven and a half, but you've got a little bit bigger ambitions here. So I like it. Texas against Purdue. Texas was, they were kind of fun to watch offensively. Dare I say they against were. Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't know if this continues as they it probably will continue if they play Purdue. Uh, now, the question is, can Purdue match that physicality that Texas is going to bring? I will say they do. The spread is only three and a half, so I'll take Purdue minus three and a half. But I wouldn't be surprised if Texas wins here. Yeah, I think Texas does win. I had Purdue to the final four in my uh, final bracket. Like last podcast, I might have said I had Kentucky to the final four, which I did until like the final night of brackets. And then I did Purdue to the final four, but I will take Texas here to win. I was impressed. They moved the ball. Well today, Marcus Carr did a good job. Andrew Jones had a big game. And I think the big key here is to see how they do against Zach Eady. Can they double him? They're so tough, so physical. They just got to hit those perimeter shots like they did today, but I think they'll be able to come out with the win. They're not going to let Jaden Ivey drive all over them. That's what Texas won't do. And I think that's going to be a bit of a problem for Purdue. All right. Another upset here. Last game of the day, it is going to be uh, TCU, the nine seed, going up against Arizona. I talked about it earlier. I think TCU kind of mucks this game up and makes that close game. I'm taking Arizona win, but they're nine and a half point underdogs here. I will take them to cover the nine and a half. Yeah, man, that's tough. I'll take Arizona giving the nine and a half. I just can't see TCU keeping it close enough with how questionable their offense is. Obviously, they're great defensively. They're tough. Mike Miles is a very good scorer, but they don't have enough scoring outside of him for me to feel comfortable taking the nine and a half. And you have so many different options with Arizona. 
just can't see TCU keeping this one super close. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, good, should be a good uh, round of 32. A uh, lot of good matchups here, potential for some upsets, um, especially as we get into, I mean, Saturday night, I mean, there's going to be a lot of interesting kind of matchups. Uh, then Sunday, Sunday, I think, is like the day more prone to upsets. I would say that. Yeah, I think Saturday is definitely the better day of games. Like on paper, seeing Sunday's games, it doesn't. And today's games, like as we're recording this on what's today, Friday, I, I don't think they were as exciting as Thursdays for sure. Like I wasn't, there wasn't that many entertaining games today. I feel like. Here's the funny thing: like I tw- the first six games of Thursday were like blowout win, blowout win, bad game, bad game. So I tweet like, man, these tournament game sucks and then immediately Iowa loses then you have Kentucky loses and it's like all right the tournament's back so that that's how that's how it is so I mean I kind of like Sunday's games a little bit more just because you have I think with Saturday's games you had more upsets early on so you that kind of lends to like more clear teams I mean the thing is, like, both days are going to be really fun to watch. And maybe I think I think the bigger thing is, like, you, like the early day games Saturday, because the nightcaps are always, like, fun to watch. Like, the early games Sunday are better than the early games Saturday. Yeah, for sure. And you get uh, the Izzo against Coach K. That That's in the afternoon, right? That's not a night game. It's like the like the third game of the day. Okay. So, yeah. Like that'll be fun. Yeah. It's like the six o'clock Eastern uh I guess three your time or something like that type of game. So yeah. It's gonna be a good round of thirty two. Then we're gonna do all, all uh sweet sixteen, elite eight. Yeah, I mean, the season's winding down here, but uh, yeah, it's been a fun season and can't wait to watch some more basketball and uh, break it down. So any last thoughts, though, before we sign off? No, that'll do it. I hope everyone enjoys the round of 32, that it's been a fun start to the NCAA tournament, and we're getting close. I mean, we're less than two weeks away from the national championship game, I think, right? Just about. Uh, no, probably it's on the fifth. So not quite is we're Tuesday will be two weeks from the championship game, but or Monday, Tuesday, next Tuesday, this upcoming Monday. Okay. Monday. So, uh, yeah, they we're very close. Hey, we'll see what happens, but I'm excited. Yeah. Going to be a fun tournament. Uh, make sure to tune in, subscribe, um, just help us out. I mean, leave a good review on, uh, the podcast. I mean, there's plenty of new listeners, uh, first time listeners. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back to break it all down. Uh, so stay tuned.